Good morning, good morning. Great to see everyone here. Where'd the youth minister go? Oh no, that's all right, no worries, we'll catch him later. I want to share something with you guys. At the, at the end of the song, this, after the sermon, I'll share it, it's okay. No worries. Hey, I re- appreciate all of you being with us this morning, great to see you. We're going to be spending a few minutes this morning talking about God's love and what that means for us. And I don't know if you understand or remember or recall what God's love really means, but that's what we're going to spend a few minutes talking about. There are really two or three words in the New Testament that are used for the word love. You know, the English language is amazing. Have you ever heard anyone say, that's really bad? And they mean, that's really good? Have you ever heard someone say that? I mean, I've heard that. Or some other expressions like, I really do love you. Or I really love that. And they don't mean that they really love that, like romantically love that, but they like it a lot. And, you know, I've, I've talked to more than a handful of people who have the fortune that English is their second language. And I say that on purpose because I've been trying to learn Spanish for like 12 years. <laughs> it's just not working out. I just haven't mastered that language yet. There are a few words I can say really well, like, donde es de baños? If you don't know what that means, that's okay. But I can at least find the restroom um, when I go places. <laughs> Um, but I don't know all the words in Spanish, but, but I know that there are a lot of people who have to learn English, and because of the peculiarities of our language and how we use the same word for different things, sometimes it's very complicated for people to learn the English language. One of the sad things that happened in the New Testament, in the translation of the New Testament, is that the word love, L-O-V-E, in the English language is used almost exclusively for a couple of different words that are actually different words in the original language that the New Testament was written. Those two words specifically have to do with love, which is an unconditional kind of love, the word agape. And some of you are familiar with that little word agape. And the other word that is a a word in the original language that we translate as love more often than anything else is the word phileo. How many of you have ever been to Philadelphia? You've been there, yes. I drove through there once, haven't spent any time there. I just drove through one night pulling a 22-foot sailboat. That was a trip. That's another story. But nonetheless, I, that word Philadelphia is, if you translate it, pull it apart and make the translation, it's the city of love, city of brotherly love. Phileo is that little Greek word that's used in the New Testament to talk about love. There's a wonderful story where Jesus is on the seashore after his resurrection and the, the, the apostles have gone fishing. You remember this story maybe. They've gone fishing and they're out in the boat and Jesus is on the seashore and he speaks to them and they, he, he calls them to come in and, and invites them in. So they come in and they finally recognize it as Jesus. And in the course of that conversation, Jesus and Peter have the dialogue where Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And, and Jesus is asking him, do you have an unconditional love for me, Peter? And, and Peter says, I like you a lot. And Jesus asked him again, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you have unconditional love for me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I really do like you a lot. And and finally, Jesus gives up and he says, Peter, do you like me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I like you. And and and, and it's interesting because you don't get that from reading the the English version because it says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. 
And, and that's the sad part of the translation. We miss some of that language. And, and so I want, I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning looking at God's love and what it means for us in our world and our lives today. And I'm going to do something that's a little peculiar at the end of the sermon, so I want you to watch carefully what we're going to do because I want to take the Lord's Prayer. You remember that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy So we're going to look at that in a few minutes, and I want to use the word love instead of God because I think the Bible says God is what? Love. And what kind of love is God? In that, in that text, I want, you to, I want you to realize this. What kind of love is God? God is agape love. Does God have phileo love for us? Does he like you a lot? Mm, yeah, probably. Probably. Does he have eros love for you? That's a word that's not even in the New Testament, but that's one of those other Greek words that's there. And that's that uh, relationship between a husband and wife kind of love, ideally suited for husbands and wives, because that means you love them like you want to live the rest of your life with them kind of love. Okay. That's kind of love that's there. It's not in the Bible, anywhere old or new, but it's the word. And then there's that friendship love, that agape love. But the Bible says God is love. He is that agape kind of love. He is that unconditional kind of loving person toward us. And the beautiful thing about agape love is it doesn't require anything in return. You know what I mean when I use that expression? It doesn't require anything in return. I'm sure all of us could tell a story or two about where we've done something nice for someone and maybe they knew we did something nice for them and maybe they didn't know we did something nice for them. You know what I mean? And there are times that we've done something for others and we know, we just know in our heart of hearts there's nothing that they can really do to repay that. Simplest explanation or, or illustration I could offer to you. Have any of you ever given a few bucks to someone that was homeless that just seemed like they needed your help and you reached out to them and you, and you showed them a little kindness? Have you ever done that? What's the probability of them ever giving you anything back? Zero. Virtually zero, right? I mean, that's the reality of that world. Um, and it's not that they're just selfish beings and don't know how to say thank you, because many of them will say thank you. They really will. But, but to be able to repay you for something that you've done, that's probably not going to happen. There was one time I was in Long Beach. Lynn and I, we were moving some stuff somewhere. I don't even remember now, but I had I'd stopped at a McDonald's. And I had a bunch of stuff in the car from storage, and, and I was moving it from one place to another. And this gal came up to me, and she was homeless. I mean, it's, it's just the reality of the world that she was in. She was homeless. She said, sir, do you have any change? And I didn't have any change. I didn't have any cash on me. I, I'm almost a cashless society kind of person. You know, if it's not on a debit card and you can't pay with a debit card, don't go there, because that's just who I am. But, but I said, I don't have any cash. And then I opened the door to my car, and I happened to have a, a, you know, any of you ever keep change in a jug? Any of you do that? Yeah. And I had this little container that had, I don't know how much money in it, just a bunch of change, quarters, dimes, and nickels. Unless Lynn took all the quarters out, but that day she didn't, because she saves quarters for some reason. But nonetheless, I had this thing of change, and I, and I spoke to her. I said, hey, wait a minute, I have this. And I just handed her the whole jug. And I, I don't know how much money. And she started crying. And you know why she started crying? Because it was a gift that was overwhelming to her. And it was a kind of agape love that I shared with her. Do you think there's, in the, in, the, in the world, do you think she'll ever be able to repay me for that? Or would I even expect any repayment for that? And the answer is no. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have all the time. I don't mean hand away jugs of money. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's, 
It's that unconditional kind of love that the person to whom you're sharing or extending the love to, there's no reason for them or for you to expect anything in return. There's no reason for you to ever expect that they would love you back. But God has asked us to love people that way. And so let's look at a couple of things here this morning. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, God is love. There's no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. The one who fears isn't made perfect in love. Now, I want you to keep this in perspective. Perfect love drives out fear. I've shared this expression with you before, and if I live long enough, I'll say it again. If you and I knew who walked beside us every day on the road that we've chosen to travel, we would never have to be afraid of anything. And the reason is because the one who travels with us, the one who walks beside us, the one who is with us all the time is God's Holy Spirit. We talked about that in the adult class this morning. Doug did a great job presenting some concepts and ideas about the Spirit. The Spirit is always with us. If you're God's child, He's with you all the time. And you have no reason to be afraid. None. If we knew who walked beside us, we could always love. You see, God has always called us to love. He's called us to be a people who when we look at the harshest, most difficult of circumstances, we can see with the eyes of God how to love unconditionally. Without love, you're a clanging symbol. Without love, you're nothing. Without love, you gain nothing. From 1 Corinthians 13, just a little paraphrase, I ask uh, our brother to read from the King James Bible this morning. You want to know why? Because they translated the word a little bit more accurately than what the NIV does when it comes to that word love there because they call it charity. Because that's a greater representation and expression of what that love concept is in that chapter than it is to love somebody like you like them a lot. It has to do with charity. It has to do with an unconditional understanding and love and respect and reaching out to others. That's what that love is all about. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive the, our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And the church said, Amen. Now I want to show this to you, though, in a way that maybe you've never looked at it before. Because I want you to remember that God is love. And I'm just going to use this word interchangeably here. And I'm going to put the word love into this prayer that Jesus offered. Because I think when we see the word love in here, it might give it just a little bit pers different perspective. No different than if you took the chapter in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and if you put your name in there where it says the word love, then it might give you a little bit of different perspective on how you might want to live your own personal life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Love's kingdom come. Love's will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, we as people are prone to try to impose our understanding and interpretation and expectation of what we deem to be a Christian life or the righteous life or whatever you want to call it on other people. We're good at that. We've been doing it for hundreds and thousands of years. 
They were doing it before Jesus came to the earth. They did it after he came. And we'll probably keep doing it for a long, long time. That's the propensity and the habits of people. We try to figure things out. And then we try to make someone else fit into our mold or our understanding or our likeness of whatever it is. And Jesus said, God, may your kingdom come. And God is love. May love reign in all things. May love truly reign. Love's kingdom come. Love's will be done. So what does it mean if love's will be done on the earth? What does that look like? It probably doesn't fit your political preferences. And I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican or independent or communist or socialist or whatever you want to label it. That definition of how we should live in the world doesn't fit any political definition. It goes way beyond that. So why would we lower ourselves and, and, and demean ourselves by considering ourselves to be something that maybe we shouldn't be? How about if we just try to live as God has called us to live and live in a kingdom where love reigns? How about us trying that for a while? The expression that was the, a result of the, of the horrific experiences that Rodney King experienced over here in South L.A. a few years ago. Why can't we just all get along? How about that for a change in life? How about that working in the church? You ever been in a church where folks couldn't get along? You know what happens when that happens? When folks can't get along? There's usually two churches at the end of the day. One here, one somewhere else. And if you're lucky, there's three or four. I'm being facetious. I hope you know that because we don't want three or four. It would be better if we all learned to get along. And the reality is, if you and I treated one another with the kind of love that God has given to us, an unconditional love where we don't really expect anything in return, guess what? We wouldn't have those kind of challenges in the church. We wouldn't have those challenges between one another. Because it wouldn't concern me so much if you did something that didn't exactly fit my little norm or my little brain's capacity to understand something. I might extend to you a little grace and mercy. We're not really comfortable with that. Because we've got to make it fit our understanding. We have to make it fit our expectation. What is God's expectation? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forget our, forgive our debtors. Love gives us this day our daily bread. Loves allow us. Love will allow us to forgive others. Forgiveness is one of those fun things, isn't it? We don't mind forgiving someone when they come to us and say, please forgive me. Well, most of the time we don't mind. Sometimes we don't even want to do that when they come to us and say, would you please forgive me? We would prefer to hold it against them or hold it over them. Or we would prefer that they go through some series of life's experiences before they ever uh, prove to us that they are worthy of our forgiveness for whatever it is that they did that caused the riff. But God's love doesn't work like that. The love that he's called us to have in our hearts and in our lives and the expression of how we live doesn't work like that. As a matter of fact, if you really consider what forgiveness is all about, if you want to know the greatest expression of forgiveness, I encourage you to go back and look at the, the hill that we call Calvary. 
And if I'm not mistaken, the one who hung in the middle of the other two men, his name was Jesus. And as he hung on the cross, he made this expression, he made this statement, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Do you think they didn't know what they were doing? Are you kidding me? They knew exactly what they were doing. They wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him removed from their world so that they wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. They wanted him out. And they took him out. They knew exactly what they were doing. And yet Jesus, in his wisdom and his ability to understand the hearts of men and the love of God, could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I can't help but wonder sometimes if we shouldn't be the first one to say, I forgive you. You didn't know what you were doing. Knowing full well that that human side of them knew exactly what they were doing, but we can look beyond that because we can be like Jesus. And we can forgive people who have done horrible things that we think is, is worthy of damnation. We have the heart of Christ. And if we have the heart of Christ, why can't we say, I forgive you? Even if they didn't ask. You know what? I know the Bible says confess your sins to one another. It says that in there. Chuck, where does it say that? Tell me. You remember? You always... <laughs> I, know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but we, we always talk about it. Confess your sins one to another. And I get all that. I get it. But there was no one confessing the day that Jesus hung on the cross. There was no one confessing. And Jesus hung there and he spoke to the Father and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Love gives us everything that we need. The love of God and living that way in our lives gives us everything that we need. Have you ever looked at the world that you and I live in? Just looked at the world of nature around us. I mean, just, just watch. There's a fire going on in Ken and Judy's backyard. And some people think, oh man, that's horrible. And it is horrible. Especially if it burns somebody's house down. It's terrible. A friend of, our, friend of mine that lives up in Santa Rosa just two weeks ago moved back into their house They've been out of their home for seven months because of the fires that happened in Santa Rosa. And you know what? Their house wasn't even affected by the fire. They didn't even burn the house down. But everything else around them was. There was no electricity. There was no water. There was no gas. None of the services to the community. So they closed the whole community until they were able to rebuild it. Two weeks ago, they moved back in after seven months out of their home. And we think, oh, it's... But somehow, the world that you and I live in, this natural world, this world of nature that God has created, has an amazing way of taking care of itself. And we don't always understand why, but it has an amazing way of taking care of itself. And for a hundred years, that stuff has been growing in Aliso Canyon. And it hasn't burned in a hundred years. And for whatever reason, it is now. It's a volcano going off in Hawaii. Some folks are talking about thing, that thing blowing up and causing tsunamis. And I don't know if it'll do that or not. But the world that you and I live in, this world of nature, has an amazing way of caring and taking care of itself. And it heals itself. And it 
repairs itself and it causes things to happen that you and I look at and we think, oh, that's just terrible. But that terrible thing turns into something magnificent. It's because God is in it all. Love is the key to how we live our lives. An unconditional love, not just friendship, not just I like that, it is love. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Love, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Have you ever considered that if you had a real heart of love where you looked at people with an unconditional love, if you truly looked at them as if you were looking at them through the eyes of God, do you realize how few relationships would be busted up? Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that there probably would be fewer illicit relationships if people looked at one another with the right vision and the right set of, through the right set of glasses instead of looking at it through that physical attraction, but looked at one another with the eyes of God? Have you ever wondered how often we could be delivered from the evils of the world that cause us and that tempt us and that make us or cause us to at least make bad decisions can you imagine how much easier life might be if you and I would just stop and look at whatever that is and realize if I have the heart of God and the eyes of God and if I see this with an unconditional love it's not going to pull me down and I don't have to let that affect me love is powerful love is strong Unconditional love is the best. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For love, love is the kingdom. Unconditional love for one another is what Jesus brought to us through his death. Unconditional love is the real power in living life and the way that God would have you to live looking at one another through the eyes of God and having that sense of loving them in spite of who they are towards you or what they've done for you is what causes life to be filled with glory. Because now it's about honoring Him and it's about serving Him and it's about bringing His name out and glorifying His name and, and worshiping His name and giving all glory and all things at all times to God our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not about us. Love is forever. The love of God that calls us to look at people the way that He calls us is forever. There is no greater love. These three remain faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. Now help me understand, how can love be greater than faith? How in the world can love be greater than faith? But that's what Paul wrote. How can love be greater than hope? We all have the hope of heaven, yes? That's the promise. We have the hope that if we live faithfully until death, there will be a crown of life that waits for us. It will be greater. We have a mansion in heaven, a home in heaven. Jesus has gone to prepare the place. But Paul says, faith and hope and love, charity remains. But the greatest of these 
is love. Maybe it's because Paul understood that our expression of love into the lives of other people would be greater than even our expression of faith. And maybe our expression of love into the lives of other people would even be greater than our expression of the hope that we have for heaven. Because if they don't see the love within us, if they don't experience love that we share, if they don't experience our unconditional acceptance of them in spite of who they are, why would they have faith in our faith? And why would they hope in our hope? Because if we can't take them and hold them and love them and care for them and nurture them and welcome them into our lives, why would they want our faith? And why would they hope in your God? Love is powerful. Love is kind. It doesn't boast. It doesn't get angry. Think about those words from 1 Corinthians 13. And they all talk about this unconditional love for others in spite of who they are or what they've done or their ability to repay or to recognize or to thank or to ask forgiveness. The greatest is love. And so my encouragement to you this week is to be more concerned about loving people than showing your faith to them. My, con my encouragement to you this week is to be more concerned about treating people and loving people with an unconditional desire to welcome them than to even talk about the hope that you have for eternity. Because I'm just going to tell you, there are a lot of people that live in Southern California, they wouldn't give you two cents for your hope for eternity. Because I'm not sure they believe in your hope for eternity. They don't even have a concept of that. But you know what they do know? They do know when someone cares for them. And they do know when someone loves them. And they do know that when, when, when someone is reaching out to them to bring them in, had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday afternoon. Len, Len and I live on a boat, you know that. And a couple of weeks ago, we were at a, a, the San Pedro Yacht Club. We were having dinner with some friends and the, the Commodore of the Yacht Club, he said, Ed, when are you gonna join this thing? And I'm like, give me the paper. So I joined. And now we're officially members of the San Pedro Yacht Club. And the slogan is, even after 50 years, we still fish in Long Beach Harbor. And I'll let you interpret that however you need to. And I was telling my friend about it yesterday, about why we joined. He said, why did you join this club? I said, because everybody needs a place. Everybody needs a place where people will know your name. They'll like you for who you are. And they'll love you in spite of all your warts and blemishes. And I just feel like this would be a good place for me to be that way. And I believe with all of my heart, all of us need to find a place like that. Now, my first family is right here. This is my first place. But I'm telling you, there are places outside of this building where you go 
I have the opportunity to go and the possibility to go every week where you could take that same attitude and heart with you that you bring in here on Sunday morning. Because when you come in here, you put on your I'm going to love everybody hat and you look good and you talk good and you sound good. And I believe it's from your heart because that's truly who you are here in this place. I just want to know if you can take that to work with you. Can you take that to school with you? Just curious if you can take that to the restaurant or the coffee shop with you this week. Can you find that place where you can go to be the love of Christ always? Because guys, that's the greatest gift of all. And the beauty of it is once we love people and they see us for who we are, not because of our faith, not because of our hope, not because of the Bible, when they really see us for who we are, people that love other people, there's an attraction there. And there's this desire there. And they want to be there more. And they want just a little bit more of that. And then they're going to start wondering, how do you do that? And what is it that allows you to do that? How is it that you can still like me? Do you not realize what I did to you? And you still like me. And you still love me. And you still talk to me. That's God's love. So this morning I invite you to join me on the journey and to take the love of Christ out into the world wherever you go so that the whole world may know that the greatest, greatest gift that we have to share with them is unconditional love. A love that never ends. A love that can forgive even if they didn't ask. A love that gives without expecting anything in return because guess what? Some people have nothing, nothing to give you back. And that's okay. Because in the realm of the eternity, you and I have nothing to give back to Jesus either. We don't. We have nothing to give. So I ask you to join me. Let's go on a journey. Let's see what can happen this week as we love people. Brandon's going to come and lead us in this song. As we do, I invite you to stand and sing. If we can help you in any way, pray with you. Help you in your decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I invite you to do that as we sing this song. Brandon, come and lead us. I am not skilled to understand. I am not skilled to understand.